The Scream Kings are in no way responsible for any encounters with the paranormal, extraterrestrial abductions, eldritch insanity, hauntings, curses, hexes, demonic possessions, cryptozoological sightings, or any loss of sleep that may result from listening to this podcast. This is the Scream Kings podcast. I'm Nathaniel Darkish. And this is Max George. And we are very privileged to have two wonderful guests for you today. Two horror poets. We have Claire C. Holland and Linda D. Addison. Who, who would like to, to go first and just kind of sharing a little bit about yourself? Claire, you can go ahead alphabetically, C. Oh, sure. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> um, well, I'm Claire C. Holland, um, and I am the author of I Am Not Your Final Girl, which is actually my first and only book of poetry so far. <laughs> Hopefully we get more. Yes. And if you haven't read it, go out and read it, because Claire, this was a wonderful read. Oh, thank you. And I'm like over the moon on the title. I'm already writing a poem to it. <laughs> <laughs> and then I guess, what, what else do you do, uh, Claire, other than write poetry we like to kind of get a, a full snapshot of, of uh, who you are and um i'm a freelance writer i've been doing freelance for over 10 years so um it's not horror related a lot of my freelance work is just law related that's sort of my thing i also write occasionally about horror movies for uh like you might see my work at daily grindhouse the bloodlust a few other places uh yeah so i just occasionally write about horror movies i also have a blog but it's definitely a passion hobby for me at the at the moment it's not my job <laughs> i wish it were oh we have the same desires <laughs> sure, yeah yeah <laughs> okay and then uh linda can you introduce yourself a little bit sure um linda addison I have the resume part of it is I have four Bram Stokers for poetry and a Lifetime Achievement Award uh, 2018 last year and Mentor of the Year. And I also write stories and articles and I've been doing some editing. So I'm the poetry editor for Space and Time magazine since 1999. And I've edited a couple of anthologies, which has been um, a lot of work, but really satisfying. So, All right. And then uh, I guess, do you mind uh, shamelessly uh, giving us the, the names of, of your poetry books so people know what to, to oh, sure. go on Amazon and buy? Sure, sure, sure. I mean, also, if you go to my site, there are, links are all there. The site is lindaaddisonpoet.com because there is a Linda Addison and Claire, she's a lawyer. Hmm. Oh, plot twist. <laughs> I know. And very active out there, too. So we're always crossing paths. I can't wait to meet her. And by the way, looks nothing like me, if you've seen any pictures of me. <laughs> she looks like a lawyer. I look like uh, me. So anyway. A <laughs> little, little more free-spirited. A whole lot. <laughs> um, so um, the latest book that I have out is called The Place of Broken Things which is poetry I wrote with Alessandro Manzetti from Rome. So that was an interesting and wonderful experience. 
And about a third of the poems are his, a third of mine, and third we wrote together. It was amazing, so much fun. And then the four that I have the Bram Stoker for is How to Recognize the Demon has Become Your Friend, which is a mix of poetry and short stories. Another one is Being Full of Light and Substantial, very poetic title. Um, four Elements um, that I wrote with Charlie Jacob, who has passed, sadly. Marge Simon and Rain Graves. And the first Stoker I won was Consumed, Reduced to Beautiful Gray Ashes. Before we start talking about what horror poetry is and, and you know why it's so important or, or you know fun to write and fun to read, um, I just want to hear a little bit more about you as, as like fans of the genre because you know as 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 we would as, uh, assume it sounds like you know you, you do you consume horror as well as as create it so and and I, I would say that that may be especially true with uh, Claire's book with each uh, poem you know we have a different horror female protagonist you know coming through as as sort of kind of the viewpoint of each of those so so I guess yeah first with Claire uh, what what are some of your favorite uh, pieces of horror fiction be they movies books poetry, whatever. Yeah, I, I'm i a huge fan of horror. I was a poet my whole life, but concurrently also a horror fan my whole life. And it was just great that the two things could merge at some point. I'm just a huge fan of, oh, there's so many good horror movies coming out right now, and I'm just eating them all up. <laughs> um, some of my f- most recent favorites are probably Assassination Nation, Green Room, a movie, a Netflix movie called Cam, that was about a cam girl. Oh, that's a I fantastic really, movie. Yeah, I loved that one. Great, great pick. And Hereditary is yes. one of my most recent, like, absolute favorites. Yeah, we we have a running joke that uh, that we should just be called a Hereditary fan cast at this point, because we've, I think, compared every movie we've seen uh, <laughs> since it to Hereditary, so. We, we oh, have a problem. <laughs> I love it so much. <laughs> well, you fit right in. Um, and then... I guess uh, outside of just being uh, a fan of, of these horror movies, what is your favorite, like, like, like what is the scariest horror you've uh, consumed? I think that the, the horror movies that scare me the most oftentimes are more psychological. So I think, I think Hereditary actually is up there with one of the ones that scared me the most. Um, a movie called The Invitation from a few uh, years back. I just watched that like two weeks ago for the fourth or fifth time. It's yes, phenomenal. It's I so great. I loved that. And it, oh, just such a creeping sense of dread through the entire movie. Like, that's what I love and that's what really scares me. I am writing these down that I haven't watched. <laughs> oh, good. I got work to do. Yeah. <laughs> See, this is this this benefits everybody involved. We we get to get some great recommendations. We can we can all report back to each other later on Twitter if we want. <laughs> all right. So how about you, Linda? Let uh, what are some of your favorites uh, in terms of horror? Well, um, I I go along with Hereditary. I did see that one, and and yeah, that was like okay. Um, Alien. When I first watched it. The first time I saw Alien. Now it's not because, you know, we all know what's going to happen. But I still, every now and then, will put on all the movies and play them all at the same time with the sound off because I've watched them so much. But the very <laughs> first time I saw Alien, it scared the bejeebies out of me. I, I heartily agree. It's one of my very favorites mm-hmm. as well. 
It's a yeah, well, I tried to think of this. I, mm-hmm. I thought about which ones would I watch again? Because some movies I, I would like not watch again, even though it kind of shook me a little bit. I got to say Us by Jordan Peele. Uh, yes. Great I movie. I mean, come on. Oh, yes. Like, Ugh. I was locking, putting my, double locks on my door after that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. Mm-hmm. That one the really Exorcist. Me. <laughs> if we're gonna talk yeah. about the first one that ever shook me, besides um, like a black and white uh, mummy movie when I was a kid, The Exorcist. I was in college. My roommate and I went to the movies together. Got back home and and left the lights on and ended up in the bed with each other. Like <laughs> it wasn't even for pleasure. We were just terrified. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. After the movie, so. <laughs> Just both tucked under the covers, just hiding. Honestly, still shaken from the movie. It was like, and we were in college. And that was a Waiting long time ago, Reagan. by the way. Because I'm pretty sure I'm the oldest one on this <laughs> merry-go-round right now. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's okay. Well, that's, that just means that you get to, to share more experience. So. Uh-huh. I'll go with that. <laughs> All right. Do you have like a favorite horror writer or a, for a favorite horror novel or or anything like that yes i i i actually don't read a ton of horror which is probably kind of surprising but it actually scares me (laughs) a lot more than movies do that's that's interesting though to me because i have yet to find a horror book that has scared me like a movie so i just feel like my imagination is so much worse <laughs> than anything that I see. So I think when I'm reading something alone at night, it just, that's what really gets to me. But um, I do read some. Laura, uh, well, a lot of the things that I read are more, I guess, magical realism than horror, like with a sort of a horror bent. So some of my favorite authors for that are Nova Rensuma, Laura Kasishki. I think I'm saying that name right. And Amy Lukovics. Those are three of and my I'm going to add those right to my Goodreads. <laughs> All right. How about you, Linda? Well, um, there's like two levels of writers for me. And that is somewhere just um, from the poet's point of view, reading them makes me want to write. Mm-hmm. Mostly poetry. And others where I can only read it once and I'm just like, like Claire, the imagery that comes into me, I can't do it again. The top of that list, The Girl Next Door by Jack Ketchum. Yeah, that's fair. Ooh, first time I read that, I was like, never again. (laughs) Am I reading this? Because it's, and it's not even monsters, it's like human monsters, but... Um, and I was actually in the film, little known, film, little known fact, a film was made of the girl next door and I was one of the sort of like background people, but not in any of the scenes that I couldn't handle. This was like years later, kind of flashback part of the scenes, but I went to see the film and I had to put my hands over my ears and close my eyes at the scenes that I couldn't reread. I mean, Dallas had a way. Mm. Yeah, he... Yeah, that that's a rough book. That's a Ooh. that's a really rough book. And for such a sweet guy, I mean, he was an early supporter of me before anyone ever heard of me, and and he was just like amazing. Tom Piccarelli's work, who passed away, um, was always inspiring to me because it was very musical, it was very poetic, and he was also a poet. So um, lately, a book I cannot get out of my head is Coyote Songs by Gabino, and I can't say the last name right, I'm sorry, Gabino, Esclatius, 
I G L E S I A S. Well, people people can Google it if they need to. Right, but Coyote's <laughs> song is just. I feel like everyone should read that because it's beautiful writing, but it's scary as heck. I mean, there's just like some images in there that just throw me right out. So I have a whole bunch of people like that, but that that was one I read beginning of this year, I think, and it really last year because it was up for a Stoker. It was a final finalist for the Stoker, so loved it. Okay, well, thank you for the the uh, definite additions to my Goodreads list, uh, both of you. <laughs> So, for me, I am not super into the horror literature world. If I do read a horror book, it's usually a grimoire or some black magic book on how to summon demons. Um, So, I want to ask you guys, kind of, what got you into not only literature, but specifically horror literature? What draws you to that? I really just sort of started getting into the horror scene, I guess, if you would call it that, through just through Twitter a few years ago. And that was how I discovered that there even was horror poetry, pretty much. I mean, I went to college for creative writing and poetry and all of that, but they never brought horror poetry into the classroom. Um, So I just sort of started exploring and like finding all of these new authors and like Stephanie Widovich's one and Sarah Tatlinger. Those are two that I really, really like from the get-go they sort of grabbed me and I realized that like this is something maybe I could do someday Mm -hmm. but it was really several years after I started getting into the scene and like reading other authors and stuff like that before I decided to do it myself and you Linda well when I first started writing I was writing more in science fiction and fantasy and I think when I look back on it now, it's probably because psychologically I just wasn't ready to go down that dark path. But um, I sold my first horror poem in 1995. And that's when I, that's around when I started reading horror poetry and fiction. I discovered Charlie Jacob. And as I said, she passed away, which is a great sorrow to me, but she was like a groundbreaker in writing up to her last book. She really wrote from a place that no one else could. But I was always so inspired by her. Before I had any books or anything out, I would just like wherever she published, I would send my work to them. (laughs) That's how crazy I was. So it was like a transition for me to finally say, okay, I'm ready. Because I had a tough childhood and it was just like not a fun place. But then now I love it. It's all fun. All dark fun. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The best kind of fun for me. Absolutely. (laughs) Why do you think horror and poetry can can work together? You know, it's, you know, as, as has been mentioned, it's kind of, you know, a thing that a lot of people aren't necessarily aware of. So yeah, like why why does it work? Why does it excite you to write it? Just I guess give us a little bit more there. One of the things that I think I love about poetry the most is that you can sort of you can distill moments or an image or a feeling into just a few lines that like really get your point across or that, you know, get that same feeling across to the reader. So I think that that matches up perfectly with horror because horror is all about those really visceral feelings. And also I think a lot of people think that horror can't be beautiful also, 
Um, so I think that horror poetry is kind of a melding of all the things that I love, like the, because I do think the horror genre, like so much, so many horror movies are so beautiful to me and the, the emotions they make you feel are so beautiful to me. And I think putting those feelings into concise, like well-crafted, well-chosen words is just another way to experience horror <laughs> yeah uh i i absolutely love that um you know just being a, a writer of horror fiction you know i feel like a lot of times it's very cathartic and lets me kind of explore my emotions or yeah my, my feelings towards this particular topic or things like that and so i can see how you know writing horror poetry you know can can do that at, at a more intensive level at, at times because of how much you know how deliberate poetry has to be when you're writing it yeah and I really agree that it can be very cathartic and like to get all of those feelings into just a few lines and then someone else can read them and feel the exact same feeling you're feeling I yeah I think it's very cathartic and I think it's really important kind of the beautiful paradox with horror poetry Claire a lot of your poems really spoke to me because it all of these final girls who have been through so much and yet the beauty of your poetic prose was it kind of this weird paradox happened in my mind that i i knew what these girls had gone through like sophia in dark song or amelia in the babadook and mm -hmm. it opened my mind a little bit to look at their experience and kind of see similarities that maybe i've had in my life through this weird I don't want to say weird. That's not the right adjective here. Um, this this kind of quirky horror catharsis. Um, it's a medium I had never explored before, and I, I really saw a lot of beauty in that. So thank you for writing those wonderful That makes me poems. so happy. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of, I, 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 not kind of, I totally agree with everything uh, that Claire said, you know, um, times a hundred thousand. I mean, there is such, to me, there's such beauty in, in words. I've been crazy in love with words my whole life. And the first writing I did was um, poetry because I just liked the idea of having like just a handful of words on the page and almost like putting them in different order creates a different picture. Um, so that is very appealing to me. I think poetry, whether it's horror or science fiction or fantasy, and like I said, I tell people that, you know, there is such a thing. I've sold to Asimov Science Fiction Magazine. I've sold fantasy poetry. The idea of being able to write this very concise, as Claire said, but beautiful uh, painting words, image, and someone to read it, and they may see something totally different from what you did, but it's still a reaction. It's almost like you're invoking um, an image of something and you don't even know what that's going to be with your words. So I, I'm, I'm totally in love with that. And it is very much like you release your own feelings, I mean, about something and then someone else can get in rhythm with that. Or maybe it's a new feeling, as you mentioned about her poetry, invoking something that's like oh i hadn't thought of it that way or i hadn't seen it that way and you see something different in the world so i i just love all kinds of poetry for that very reason but horror in particular um has an ability to shake people without them needing 
well, hopefully without them needing medication. (laughs) (laughs) You know, in an entertaining way, I'd like to hope. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I think that's such a good point because horror is so stigmatized in culture of being, you know, dark and evil and this and that. But there is a really true, powerful psychological catharsis in any sort of medium. And maybe if you can't find it in horror movies, horror poetry, horror literature can help you with that. I I agree. I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, it's just I think that's what's so surprising to people if they go to uh, conventions and, and they go and they hear someone doing poetry or or hear people talk about it. They're like horror poetry really well yeah you know it can have the same effect as a movie as a story and there are wide lengths of what poetry in horror can be there's really hardcore and there's all the way to whenever i'm selling my book at a conference and i'm talking to people i always tell them i don't write blood and guts i write very psychological sort of moody emotional stuff and, and if they want blood and guts, there is that out there. There's hardcore uh, horror poetry out there. That's just not what I create. So I guess one thing I'm, I'm kind of curious about is, you know, being horror poets, do you, you know, kind of encounter the the thing that, you know, I, I feel like I see this a lot with, uh, like, more respected uh, authors or, you know, filmmakers or things like that, where, where you know, people are like, oh, well, it's, you know, because it's well-written or because it's beautiful or, or whatever that, you know, it's, it, it can't be horror anymore. Do you, do you encounter that with, with your writing? Did that make any sense? <laughs> oh, no, that totally made sense. <laughs> Did you want to jump in, Claire, or shall I? Sure. Um, I, I personally haven't really had I haven't seen that myself um I think maybe because my book I I'm not really sure if this is true but it feels fairly niche um and I self-published it myself so I feel like the audience that I've found with it has been very particular and people for the most part knew what they were getting I don't I I I haven't really encountered any sort of like hoity-toitiness about that (laughs) That's good not to have that problem. I haven't actually had that problem, and I've been putting stuff out for a long time. I actually was stunned (laughs) when I got the first Bram Stoker because it's not a book about monsters, you know, in, in that way, maybe human monsters, but... I haven't really had that reaction. I'm not, I don't even think it's not that it's, I think that actually could be out there, but people just haven't approached me with it or said much about it or done it in reviews for reasons that I'm happy with because I really don't need to hear that. But, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, yeah, I don't, you know, I think when I first started performing, poetry at conventions I think it was kind of an eye-opener to people and I had taken classes with performers because I was very shy so I was not a great reader of my work and now I am because I've had good teachers and I think by being able to read it with meaning it has drawn people in to hear that yes I'm reading this and there is music there and in reading it in a way that helps to invoke this image and that's all horror is trying to do is just shake people in some kind of way that ends up being entertaining and cathartic and whatever 
So another thing I was kind of curious about is just a lot of times with poetry, we try to approach it from from an angle. You know, I, I'm an English teacher, and so sometimes you know, I, I, I you know, tell my students, okay, read poetry out loud. Like, that's how you can understand it the most. Do you feel like your poetry benefits more from being read out loud? Or, you know, is it better just on the page? You know, kind of what is your sort of approach to the craft uh, uh, and, and, you know, what, what do you think is the best way to, I guess, consume your poetry? Um, well, the only way you can currently consume my poetry is, I guess, by reading it in my book, in your head or out loud, because <laughs> I don't have audiobooks or anything like that. But um, when I write, I definitely do read it out loud. I think I, I would be kind of surprised to find a poet who said that they never read their poetry out loud because I think that's sort of an integral part of making sure that it has that like rhythm and musicality in a way. But I would I would actually love to explore like going into audiobooks because I do think that that's just such a great way to experience poetry is out loud and not necessarily just sitting alone reading it yourself <laughs> well and and do you ever have the opportunities uh claire to uh like do readings of, of your poetry like at, at events or anything like that i have not i was invited to um do a reading at one con but i wasn't able to make it i'm a very shy person <laughs> so i haven't really sought that out um, but I would be open to it. I mean, I think that would be amazing. So I guess, you know, kind of pitching the, the question back to uh, the, that, that earlier question back to, to Linda. So, you know, I guess, yeah, do, do you feel like your poems work better, you know, uh, being performed or, uh, you know, better on the page? You know, kind of what, what is your approach there? Uh, I think it's kind of a two-way street. One, um, I love doing different kinds of forms of poetry because it helps me I mean, I, I have a BS in math, so I'm very mathematical too, and forms are very mathematical. So changing the shape of a poem on a page is a really good way, from my point of view, to help the reader when they're reading it to sort of see where the breath breaks and rhythms are. And so I'm a big, um, you know, I'm a big supporter of that. I mentor um, new poets, and I'm always saying to them, try this out, try it out, you know, try out changing the shape of your poems. There are even poems called concrete poems, where they make a shape on purpose on the page. Um, so that is important to me now. It wasn't in the beginning. I used to write very straight, you know, indented um, what you would expect, but I learned also with some teachers to change the shape of the poem on the page so that one of the person's reading it. The other side of the street is that I love doing readings now only because I had great teachers and I have like a little, um, which I can share with you, a little point by point thing that I usually share with people on, on what some good things are to do in order to get ready for reading. So now I love performing it. And what happens is people have said to me uh, later, maybe even months later, you know, I got your book and now I hear your voice when I read the poems. So I think those are the two things to me that help. And absolutely, you have to read to edit. I think you have to do it with fiction. 
when I've mentored people and myself, when I write fiction, I read it out loud because my voice can hear where something doesn't work quicker than reading it to myself in my head. Because in my head, I make the correction. Yeah, where, where you stumble, it, it, it's a lot easier to suddenly go, hey, that's, that's a weird sentence or whatever. Exactly. And that's how I do editing mm-hmm. for Space and Time. I read the poetry out loud. And as soon as I stumble, I have to put, I have to say no to that poem. Now, sometimes it's a great poem, but something didn't work for me, you know. And I would, when it is like that, I do write a note to them and say, "Look, send it somewhere else. I think this is good. It just didn't ring for me." But sometimes it, it is a stumble that I just can't get past, and that's how I I read 120 poems <laughs> every <laughs> reading session. <laughs> All right. Um... So uh, another thing that I, uh, you know, have uh, that I, I was kind of curious about is just, um, you know, what sort of uh, approaches do you take in terms of, you know, sort of like kind of some of the more experimental forms of poetry? Do you do you ever uh, dive into that when it comes to your writing, you know, for example, like a blackout poem or things like that? Uh, or, or do you mostly stick to, you know, kind of solely creating on your own and, and you know. Do you feel like other, you know, kind of some of these more uh, experimental forms can work with horror poetry specifically? I feel like Linda's going to give a better answer to this than me. Um, But because honestly, when I was writing I Am Not Your Final Girl, I wrote that entire book like in a pretty like fast fevered time. And there's, you can see maybe there's a little bit of experimentation in there because I definitely, all the poems aren't the exact same um, style or anything. And I have a few poems where I'm like experimenting with form a little bit. Um, I would say personally that probably there are tons of forms that probably most of them could work with horror in some way, but I think Linda probably has the better answer. (laughs) (laughs) Um, only because I've done so much of it um, in the last probably 20 years 20 years before that yes 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 my children I am 67 years old (laughs) okay (laughs) let's just get this on the table but um I mean I just feel like the newbie here (laughs) with a kick-ass title okay I have no word literature at all I need to read this book because the title alone is amazing. Um, yeah, it's worth I, your time. I know. I'm, I'm all in. Um, I love forms. And I think like painting, you could paint a picture with two colors or 20 colors as, and still impact a person. There is no form, I think, that you couldn't do that wouldn't still be as impactful as a horror poem. Um, when I do workshops every other year at World Horror and StokerCon, I do workshops for forms. I teach forms. And you don't have to be a poet. You could be, I've had nonfiction people in there. The idea with forms is it gives you a different way to look at something. One of my favorite forms is Fibonacci. Yes, mm-hmm. that is a math thing. It is a poetry yeah. thing. It's so much fun. <laughs> so, Interesting. Um, yeah, blackout anything, anything. I, I actually created a poem for our book, The Place of Broken Things, that Alessandro and I did. I created something I called The Broken Poem, but 
hellified hard to lay out. It never happened. <laughs> I might have to do it as a handout when I do readings because I was just like, oh my God, no, I can't make people do this. I can't make the layout people do this. Broken poem. But it was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, now I have to know. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay, well, that that's awesome. I, I'm like taking notes for my creative writing classes of what I can make my students do. Um, so uh, one other thing I, I, I kind of wanted to, to sort of get your thoughts on is, you know, the way that you're able to kind of play with horror poetry, but also, you know, other like big themes uh, in, you know, in the world today. You know, I Am Not Your Final Girl definitely has a strong uh, feminist bent to it. Um, you know, and, and, you know, we see lots of like very personal uh, things or, or very, I don't know, there, there's definitely many layers to uh, the themes that that we see in, in horror poetry. So I just kind of wanted to, to get your thoughts on, you know, sort of the, uh, you know, sort of yeah deeper levels of, of meaning and theme and, and, you know, playing with social stuff uh, in, in your poetry. Uh, well... I, I I think we're in a really interesting time right now because sort of social justice poetry is almost like becoming its own thing. Um, but I think with uh, horror is just always, in my opinion, one of the most perfect genres for exploring any sort of emotion, especially any, you know, of any taboo emotion or like something that maybe we're not supposed to talk about in polite conversation um so like for me I think one of the things that I really got out with I am not your final girl is a lot of anger (laughs) um and like female anger is so often something that's like meant to be tamped down and ignored and like not supposed to come out and is trivialized Um, so often well, and yeah, sure. I think you nailed it on the head, though, with your book, because I felt that coming through these characters, even if you didn't know who they were, or had seen the movies, you could feel that frustration coming through in such a beautiful way. Thank you. <laughs> there was definitely a lot of frustration while I was writing <laughs> yeah. it. Um, and I do just love that I think... It goes both ways that horror fans might pick up the book and learn something or see something from a different perspective, but also, you know, just a feminist who doesn't like horror at all might pick this up. And I've actually gotten a bunch of reviews from people who said, like, I really don't like horror, but these poems made me look at all of those tropes differently. And that's what I really like to hear. Yeah, so, sounds like you're winning across the board there. Um, Thank you. <laughs> uh, how about you, Linda? You know, kind of what, what is your approach in terms of dealing with with themes and you know social issues and things like that in your poetry? Oh, they're all there. <laughs> <laughs> they're all there. There's no question of that. Um, I think, uh, as as Claire says, you can write something that is like a song that maybe someone doesn't necessarily agree with, but you're, you're not writing it like a, an article. You're not doing a journalistic piece. You're creating an image in some kind of way that almost, I would almost go so far as to say is subconsciously getting into people. Like I, I had a poem called 
things that earth no longer bears. I mean, just, you know, it has everything in there. The earth is tired of us <laughs> and what we're doing. <laughs> so, you know, I, I've written um, poem. I, I can't remember the title and I'd have to search for it, but I wrote a poem about, you know, a poor black kid in the neighborhood looking up at the stars and trying to find his in, his infinite self. Now that's an explanation of the poem. But when you read the poem, hopefully it's it's a beautiful image of a child and finding and 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 horrors that they have to live with and then still looking up for some infinite. So, again, I'm not explaining it very well, but I think there is every place in the world with poetry. And that is what I love about poetry is that you can write it without saying it. You know, you can write this is a horrible person that did a horrible thing in a journalistic way, or you can write their soul. And this is, please don't write this down because I'm doing it off the top of my head. <laughs> a human soul burned to ashes, not even licked by demons. You know what I'm saying? It's like, that's another way to say this is a horrible person. <laughs> so I think we can, um, there's a good place um, and a perfect place in poetry to make statements without making a journalistic version of the statement. You can do it in a beautiful way. And with horror poetry, it sounds like, you know, the, the ability to rely on a lot of monstrous imagery and, and uh, the demonic and things like that might, might come in handy when making a social point. Indeed. <laughs> so this is something I should have maybe thought of beforehand, but I was curious if, if maybe either of you would be willing to read a poem, uh, you know, something that, that you'd be willing to share our, uh, to our listeners. Um, well, I'm in my office where there is nothing but books that I have. <laughs> um, shall I go first? Yeah, sure. Reverse okay. alphabetical now. We're reversed. No, Claire, you can absolutely go first. I just. Oh no, no, no! It's no it's alphabetical by last fine name. By me. There we go. <laughs> well, I um, this poem came from. Is actually I, I'm oh this is a good one to read because then I can talk about other stuff too. So there's a writer, uh, there's a movie maker, producer, director who is made has made a short film inspired by this poem um it's called morning meal morning as in morning loss and i'm so excited the poem's coming out at the end of this year um i actually did a voiceover of the poem um for a um trailer that he did i think it's going to be amazing and this is like a dream come true because i grew up i was that kid that watched everything scary on tv so the idea of having um looking for it right now ah, uh, the idea of having a poem um done into a, a trailer is insane okay i think i found it sorry um so no i didn't Crap. Claire, do you have something while I'm looking? Oh, no, I have it. <laughs> <laughs> so um, this has a slightly changed point of view from the original poem, but I'm, I'm going to read it um, anyway. It's not very long. Uh, morning meal. 
I was so hungry, raw nothingness growing at my center. Eating began with simple things, a kindergarten drawing, the yellow construction paper crunchy, the plastic badge from swimming class, chewy at first, its silver foil edge caught in my teeth. The handmade Mother's Day card smelled sweet, its crayon words tasted bitter. One toy spaceman bitten into little pieces, swallowed like strange pills. I ate my way through his trail, piece by sheet, but still the hunger scratched inside. Each memory lingered like the sweet herbs I used in his favorite meal, soup I would never make again, like his face I would never see again. Morning meal. Wow. Just gotta, just gotta let that stew for a second. That was yeah, no was kidding. Wonderful. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. And the film's even darker. Woo! <laughs> just <Yeah>. saying. <laughs> I'm excited. That that sounds awesome. Thank you. Okay. Um. All right. So I'm going to read a poem from my book called, and um, it's based on Carrie. Um, the movie. My fave. I love Carrie. <laughs> so this is Carrie. In a world where fathers reign like dark clouds casting shadows from the skyline, are all of us daughters doomed to become our mothers? To string ourselves up, martyrs on the doorframe, pricked with knives and other utensils used yesterday for making dinner? Or maybe that's how we kill it the impulse to serve and say sorry all the time. It's exhausting, all this merry stuff, all this blood and sin piled on us without our permission. Intuition is treated like a curse because it's not dense and sturdy as a man's thick fist. They don't like something that slips through fingers like water. But what good are we cast in white? I'd rather arm myself in blood than be a pretty statue to stare at. It's oh, one of my favorites, yes. Claire. Yes. Thank you. Ugh, <laughs> I'm fangirling a little bit over here. <laughs> I am too, and I haven't even read the book. Oh my god, <laughs> love it. Oh, that was brilliant. Mm-hmm. Thank you, guys. Yeah, that uh, both both really uh, powerful pieces of, of poetry. I thank you so much for being willing to share that on the on the podcast. So yeah, our listeners who are now just hearing this poetry for the first time. You now know why you should go and buy all of their books because it's awesome. So, uh, I guess I, I've been kind of dominating the questions. Max, have, uh, do you have any other questions or anything that that you're wanting to to know, kind of as a more of a a layman in the uh, literary world? You know, all the questions that I had written down, Nathaniel, you've already asked them. So, Pazuzu blessed us this recording with safe <laughs> thoughts. <laughs> yeah, we might as well wrap up then, unless. Uh, either of you have have any other insight you want to share on uh, horror poetry but yeah if there's there's nothing else then you know we can have you shamelessly plug yourselves on uh, social media let people know where they can find you i just wanted to say one last thing if we have time absolutely 
one of the things that I learned and I try to pass on to people who are interested in writing horror poetry is to write whatever it is that you feel inside, no matter, and you look at it and you think, oh, this is really too horrible <laughs> for anyone to see. <laughs> and remember, no one's going to see it until you want them to. It's more important to get it out, to write it down. So, you know, anyone interested in doing that, just remember you're the, the creator and you decide when the other's going to see it. But it's more important to be authentic with your feeling. I think that is such an important message in today's society. Shoving emotions under a rug or under a rock is, I know for me personally, got me into a big mess. So thank you for those words. I, I think we need to hear that a lot more than we do nowadays. Yeah, and I think you, you may be surprised at uh, what you get down on the page. Indeed. I've been journaling since 1969, and I highly suggest it for anyone, whether you ever want to do anything with it or not, because by getting it out, sometimes you look back, even if it's years later, and you think, wow, those are good words. <laughs> I could do something with that. All of my books have come from my journals. Yeah, I agree with that completely, actually. I've been uh, keeping journals since I can remember, so... A lot of my inspiration or even just my inspiration for my feelings comes out in those. Yeah, it's really important as a process. Thank you again for, for sharing that. So where can the, the folks at home find you online? You can find me at ClaireCHolland.com. That's my website or at ClaireCWrites on Twitter. Those are my two main things. I'm, I'm going there at, right now to buy this book. <laughs> I need it. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> I was actually reading um, The Place of Broken Things just last oh. week, and uh, I absolutely oh. loved it. Wow. Now I'm blushing. <laughs> <laughs> so my site, as I mentioned, is Linda Addison Poet, all one word. Not Linda Addison, unless you want a lawyer. <laughs> dot com and um going to suggest the latest book which is the place of broken things because it just came out july this year and keep a an eye out for this film because i'm telling you <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna be something i've seen pieces of it and uh, jamal hodge by the way if i haven't mentioned it is the amazing producer screenwriter who um created this film and he's also a poet he has an amazing poem called Friend, I think it is, in the latest space and time. Really, really, ooh, another one that shakes you to the core. So, yeah, just one of those people that does every darn thing well. Um, <laughs> those so, people. Those people. I meet somebody and they're like, I don't write poetry. I'm like, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want the competition. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding, Claire. <laughs> Um, so yeah, through my site, you can get to links or you can find my books, you know, in all the usual places online. All right. Awesome. Awesome. I guess, uh, the, the last words I can, I can leave our, our listeners with is stay spooky. Stay spooky. Need even more Scream Kings? Here's our obligatory shameless social media plug. Follow us on Twitter or Instagram at Scream Kings Pod. You could also email us at ScreenKingsPodcast at gmail.com. Help us reach a wider audience of horror fans by leaving a review on iTunes or by sharing a link on social media. You can also support the show by going to Patreon.com 
forward slash Screen Kings. Stay spooky.